I remember standing in the studio literally 30 seconds before the other host was throwing to me in prime time, big sales goals, big guests, and my arm all of a sudden went completely numb, the whole right side of my body. The studio started spinning on me. I mean, I remember looking up and seeing the lights. Like It was like I was on a merry-go-round, and I just cried out. I just said, Jesus' name. I said, Jesus, Jesus, you got to help me. And somehow, like five seconds before the other host threw to me, things settled down, and I did a three-hour show. That was not me. I did not have the strength or the wherewithal to do that. So I really saw... God's supernatural strength. He carried, you know, the, the, the poem, Footprints in the Sand, so true during our lowest times when we can't carry ourselves. God carried me, put me on his back. Welcome to Along the Way. I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me along my way as I try to become more like Jesus every day. For this episode of Along the Way, I'm joined by longtime QVC host and author Dan Wheeler. In 2012, Dan and his wife, Beth, received a call that no one wants to hear. Beth had cancer. That changed everything in their lives, and they determined to make every moment count. Dan was a guest on my TV show a few years back to share the lessons that he learned from his wife, who was a hurricane of love. I'll get to that conversation in just a moment, but as always, I want to thank you for listening to Along the Way. I hope that you like what you hear and you subscribe. You can connect with me online as well. All of my socials and contact links are in my show notes. And you can check out all of my episodes at my website, alongtheway.media. I've organized episodes by themes and types so they're easier to find. There's also an easy way to join my email list and find out more about me too. I hope that you check it out and you let me know what you think. I would love to hear from you. I also have a Patreon page if you want to help me to continue to put out these Along the Way episodes. If you'd like to become a Patreon, simply go to patreon.com slash along the way and select a level that you would like to support at. The link to become a Patreon supporter is in my show notes. This episode is sponsored by Crave Frozen Desserts, which is by far my favorite ice cream. Andy Gavain has been a friend of mine for many years, and he seriously makes some of the best gourmet ice cream out there. He's mastered the classic flavors, but he's always inventing and pushing to be more creative. You never know what delicious treat Andy will come up with next. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, then you are in luck. Crave Frozen Desserts is open from 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, and they are located at 751 Pittsburgh McKeesport Boulevard, Dravosburg, PA, 15034. I'll put a link to their Facebook page in my show notes, and tell them that you heard about them from Along the Way. Along the Way is honored to be a part of the Charisma Podcast Network. You can find tons of spirit-filled content from their vast catalog of podcasts. Go to CPN Shows to see the full list and latest episodes. I'm also doing one of the Monday through Friday news stories for the Charisma News Podcast. And now, here's my along-the-way conversation with Dan Wheeler. Well, Dan Wheeler, it is great to have you on Along the Way, my friend. You and I had the opportunity to meet a couple years ago when you were on the Real Life program. You got to be a part of the Real Life coaching as well. So we got to spend a good bit of time talking about your story, and I've been so impressed by the things that God has taught you along the way. And through your journey, you, you talked about the book Hurricane of Love, which we're going to go into during this conversation. But I want to thank you so much for taking some time to share your journey with me about how God has met you along your way. So, Dan, thank you so much for joining me along the way. 
Well, John, it's an honor to be here. Good to see you again. I mean, we're just like across on opposite sides of the state. I know, <laughs> but it's I know. Good to see, we haven't seen each other in, I guess that was almost two years now, I guess in Something the fall. Something like that, but yeah. I uh, really impressed with you and your desire to serve God and your great producing skills, and it was fun to work with you there on the uh, the television program. So great to be with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's wonderful to have you with us because... Your story is, I found it to be really remarkable. And the fact that your relationship with your wife is what your book, The Hurricane of Love, was all about. And the lessons that you've learned along the way in your relationship with her. And I love the story of how you guys met and how you walked with her through her cancer battle and just the man of God that you are. And so would you please share with us your journey with the Lord and how he led you along your way? to where you are today. Sure. It started at a children's camp in Michigan when I was nine years old, and I accepted the Lord at a camp meeting. And I remember walking back to my cabin and looking up at a star-filled sky and just saying, I know you're there, Lord, and I want to serve you, and I want to do something that matters. And sadly, I didn't always walk closely with the Lord. And even when I worked at a ministry early on, I, I got away from the Lord and I you know, was fortunate enough to be a host on QVC for 29 years and really had the job there because I got to interview all the athletes and all the musicians and a lot of famous people. I got to travel the world and I was always at Super Bowls and I was at the Olympic Games and, and it was just great. And then something happened that really turned my world upside down and that was my wife was diagnosed with stage four cancer in 2012. And we went on a three-year journey. And uh, you're right, I wrote about it in this book, Hurricane of Love, which God has really blessed. And the uh, comments and the ratings on Amazon have been phenomenal. It's a five-star rated mm -hmm. book. And so many people have said how it's helped them and encouraged them. And I didn't know I was going to write a book. But those three years that started in the fall of 2012 until she passed into heaven uh, in October of 2015 were the best three years of our marriage, if you can believe it. We were closer than ever before. I was closer to God than I'd ever been in my life. I was just dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. I felt like I was in constant prayer. And, you know, I say that our priorities were turned upside down, but ultimately right side up. And through that journey, uh, God formed a ministry called Fearless Faith Ministries. I formed that with two of my best friends from college. I took them out the, the Friday after we buried my wife on that mm -hmm. Tuesday. They stayed after everyone else had left. And I said, guys, you know, I'm 60 years old and I feel like I've done this much for God. And I feel like he's calling me into full-time ministry. I don't know how much longer I'll be with QVC. And I told him my vision was kind of to go on social media and share these inspirational messages. And it just resonated with both of them. They both asked me at that lunch, could they be involved? Could they help me? And I never even had to ask them. And I kind of thought that was going to happen. Yeah. So here we are uh, four years down the road of doing our morning cups of inspiration on Facebook. We have uh, over 30,000 followers now. We are on YouTube. We have over 1,100 videos that we've categorized on our YouTube wow. channel. 
on every topic you could imagine. If someone's struggling with hope, if someone needs peace, if someone wants to know about salvation, mm -hmm. you know, we've got all the videos there. We have an Instagram page and we published a devotional this year called Your Morning Cup of Inspiration. And, um, you know, we start every day by giving a little bit of a tease and saying, I want to talk to you about it in your morning cup of inspiration. And I have to <laughs> tell you, God just kind of put that together. And it's really just taken off. It's we're having um, salvations and people rededicating their lives. But I think, John, God knew the timing of what would be happening. Yeah. And with what's going on in the world right now, boy, people are hungry for God. And we have to be faithful and, and be there uh, ready to tell them ready to share why we believe, what we believe, and the hope that we have in Christ. So it's been an amazing journey. My wife was an amazing woman, but she taught me so much about how to really love people. Yeah. Now, I know a little bit of a, about your story from whenever you were with us in person a couple years ago, but I do want to hear about how you came to the Lord and how your relationship with the Lord grew and I got to have you tell everybody how you met your wife, because I love okay. that story. <laughs> Do you want to start with how I met my wife? <laughs> well, who did you meet first, your wife or the Lord? Uh, well, I met the Lord first, and like I say, when I was nine years old. And then growing up, my parents were divorced when I was young. I was 11 years old, and that was kind of hard, but I... I found that God brought some Christian men into my life to be kind of role models for me. And one was my brother-in-law, George. And another one was a man named Don Glasky, and he was in charge of the local branch of Youth for Christ. So I got involved in Bible quizzing in Youth for Christ when I was in junior high and high school. And our team actually won the national championship a couple times. One year I was the top quizzer in the nation. And so I was very into memorizing scripture and I'm trying to do it again, but I have to tell you, at 65, my brain is not nearly as sharp as it was when I was uh, in my teens. But I really feel like that laid such a strong foundation for me to, to come back to the Lord. And, and when I was going through rough times, I would always come back to Scripture, and I would, in my mind, recite verses that I'd learned. So I think it's so important to get Scripture into our heart and soul. And then out of college, I took a job with an ABC affiliate down in Springfield, Missouri. I was a sportscaster. I had been a baseball player at Evangelical College and uh, was fortunate enough to get a partial scholarship. And then I played after that. So I always loved sports. But then God called me to Chicago into Christian television. And that's where I met Dave Tucker, who you work with. Yeah. And I worked with a Channel 38 WCFC-TV, a guy named Owen Carr founded it. And Jerry Rose then became the president. And, you know, I was there over eight and a half years. And during that time, I saw God do so much. And yet I was wandering from the Lord and kind mm -hmm. of, um, I don't know, I just wasn't seeking his presence. And I, you know, it's easy to do. And, and you can get so busy sometimes working in ministry that you forget about your relationship with the Lord. And then, you know, QVC came along, and it was an amazing career. I, I felt so blessed. But when I look back, I feel like God had me in that position because of the stories he's given me about guys like Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle and Ted Williams. And I worked with all these people that the world would think had it all. And some of them were really quite unhappy, <laughs> quite miserable in their lives. I mean, Mickey Mantle was an alcoholic, and he... Uh, 
hurt his knee his rookie year, and then he played with so much pain, he tried to deaden the pain with alcohol, and that led to terrible physical problems on his behalf. And then his kids turned into alcoholics because the only way he knew how to relate to them was take him out for a drink. And two of his sons died before the age of 45 from alcohol-related problems with their liver. So fame and fortune and money does not make you happy, does not make you fulfilled. And I was pretty much cruising along in my job at QVC, but God had to to shake me up. And when my wife got that diagnosis of stage four cancer, I mean, in an instant, everything changed. And the next three Mm -hmm. years were filled with medical procedures and surgeries and chemo treatments. And, you know, my life just became, I mean, she became the most important thing to me and and getting her healed was the most important thing. But I was in a constant state of prayer. I know it sounds hard to believe. I really was. And that drew me so close. And I was convinced God was going to heal her. And he chose to heal her by taking her to heaven. And I just saw so many miracles along the way that I wrote about in the book, Hurricane of Love. Doctors whose schedules were changed to meet me, a Christian doctor to tell me that God was hearing my prayers and that he was going to heal her one way or another. And I just got these messages from the Lord through people, sometimes through scripture. Sometimes there was an angelic appearance in my driveway and he just was there when I needed him. And then Uh, As time has gone on now, I look back and I see that in God's plan and his providence, my wife had to go through that journey. I had to go through that with her so that I would find my true calling. I always felt, John, when I was a little boy and I gave my life to the Lord, I always felt that I would be a preacher or in some way sharing the gospel. And while I don't consider myself to be too much of a preacher because what we do with fearless faith is really kind of a one-on-one into the camera reaching a lot of people but god has given me the opportunity to speak in churches to speak in schools to do christian radio and tv to do podcasts like this and share what he's done in my life and when i look at my wife's life it's almost like christ had to lay down his life for us she almost had to lay down her life so that i could find my true calling oh wow That's a very interesting perspective that I don't know if I would have taken away from that, but wow, that's, that's something that God really has, has shown you then. He has John. And that didn't happen right away. I mean, I got to tell you in the beginning, I was depressed after she died. I didn't want to get out of bed for weeks. And then slowly I remember I had this Christian counselor because I was dealing with guilt. Was I a good enough husband? Mm. And I think, and I found out, you know, everyone that loses their spouse, to cancer goes through that guilt. She was a better person. She was a better Christian. Why me? But then God showed me that we have to use our pain. Whoever's listening to this, if you're going through pain in your life, or if you've gone through tremendous pain, and I mean, people lose children uh, at a young age, people lose their spouses, people lose their parents. God didn't promise us it would be easy. In fact, he said in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. We have to believe that. And so I um, was talking to this Christian counselor and I was telling her I was just dealing with all this guilt. And she looked at me and she said, Dan, do you really think that Beth is in heaven judging you or that she and the Lord are saying, oh, what a failure you are? She said, they're cheering you on. Hmm. They're applauding you. They're saying, now you go finish your race. And man, that day it snapped me out of it. And I've, when I've shared with people who are dealing with the loss of a spouse, I tell them, 
that God wants you to go on. I mean, I hear from people that say they're stuck in their grief for like five, 10 years. God doesn't want you to be stuck. He's saying you still have a race and now finish it. And that's one of our themes with Fearless Faith Ministries is finish strong. And I hope people will join us on our Facebook page or our Instagram page under Fearless Faith Ministries because we want to say, hey, it's never too late <laughs> to right. turn your life around and to find your true calling. Along the way, yeah. <laughs> something will happen where God will, will get a hold of you in a big way. And I think more important than ever, John, with what's going on in the world, you and I talked a little bit before the podcast, it's just God is doing something, but he's saying to people, it's time to get serious. Right. If you really believe I am who I say I am, the God of the universe, then what's more important than our relationship? We, we've got to get serious about a relationship and serious about our calling. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. I couldn't agree more. We need to get serious about the things that God has put in, in our path, in our way, and those opportunities for us to be available for God's call and to be obedient whenever he tells us to do something. Yes, And yes. I want to pick up on one of those moments of your life along the way that happened where God brought somebody into your life. God brought your wife into your life uh, literally along the way. I mean, that's one of the most along the way stories I think I've heard. Uh, so can you just tell us how God brought her into your life? You're absolutely right. I was riding a train into Chicago. I had just taken a job with a Christian TV station, and my background was on air. I didn't know about production. I didn't know about editing or producing. And so I went to Chicago to work on a production crew to learn all the elements. I kind of had always wanted to do that so that eventually I could move into a producer role and I could put together programming. And so I'm reading a book, one of my college books on production. It was like production, television production 101. And it was kind of boring and I tried sleeping and then all of a sudden the train stopped. I think it was the LaGrange stop. I went from Lyle into Chicago and this really cute girl gets on and I see her pass by me out of the corner of my eye and she sits right in the seat in front of me. Now there were other open seats and I thought, huh, interesting. And I'm looking in the window trying to see her reflection and I couldn't really get a good look and I finally just tapped her on the shoulder and said, I've been trying to read this book and it's really boring and I can't sleep. I said, would you mind if I joined you? And we talked. I mean, what a line, right? Yeah. <laughs> and shockingly enough, she smiled and said, sure. And so I joined her and we had this great talk all the way into Union Station and we got off. And as we were walking toward the exit to get up onto Madison Avenue, I said, well, where do you work? And she said, the Civic Opera Building. I said, you're kidding me on Wacker and Madison? And she goes, yeah. And I said, I work in the same building. And so we walk into the building, we get there and I go, look, I've got some time yet before I have to be upstairs in the studio. How about you? Could I take you to the cafeteria for lunch? And again, she smiled and said, sure. So I'm really on a roll here. I'm thinking yeah. this is going great. And um, we get up to the cafeteria, we go through the line, we get all our food and I go to pay and I go in my pockets and I don't have anything. And I, I go in my wallet and it's empty. I look in my briefcase. And so I am so embarrassed. 
I have to turn to her and say, uh, you're not going to believe this, but I don't have any money. And would you mind paying? And she looked at me like, you know, who's this guy? You know, is he a scam artist? And I said, look, I know you don't know me very well, but I promise if you pay, I'll take you out later in the week to a really nice restaurant and I'll make it up to you. And so I did, but that girl, uh, was Beth Johnson, who ultimately became my wife, Beth Wheeler, my journey with Beth Wheeler. And we had a wonderful relationship and 31 years of marriage. And she was just the sweetest person. I couldn't have asked for a better wife or a better soulmate. And I really feel like we were. And that day that I met her was September 21st. Mm. And that's significant. And maybe, you know, later in the podcast, I'll tell the story of what sure. happened after she passed away on that day. Sure, sure. Well, earlier as you were talking about how God has met you during these times of dealing with your wife's cancer, you said something that I just can't let alone. You said you had an angelic visitation in the driveway. I got to hear a little bit about that. It was interesting. In fact, the chapter in my book is called An Angel in My Driveway. And um, it was at the point where I knew Beth she had gone off all treatment, stopped all treatment. Hospice has come, had come in and they told me it would be, maybe she would make it two weeks, a week to two weeks. So, you know, you're at the point where you got to start calling people in and telling people around the country, friends and family, if you want to see Beth and say goodbye, you better get here. So I was uh, sending people to the airport to pick up our visitors, our guests, it's one of those things, you know, people say when they find out you're in a situation like I was in with Beth, they say, hey, if you need anything, call me. Mm-hmm. And you never call them because you're so busy taking care of your exactly. spouse or, or your loved one that you don't have time to even think of what you need. So my advice to people is just show up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people say, well, I don't know what to say and it's so serious. And don't worry about what you're going to say. Just show up and bring food. That's what I say in my book. Because <laughs> I, I had friends do that. They'd show up with soup and prepared meals or, or a box of pretzels. It just, it's so great. So I started calling people and saying, hey, I need you. I've got something you can do. And can you go to the airport? And as I look back, it was really unbelievable, John, because I sent musician to pick up musician, nurse to pick up nurse, social worker to pick up social worker. I mean, I just, and I didn't even think, I just called people, but God put the right people together to have good conversations. And so I had sent a guy that I play in a band with to pick up my buddy, Brian, who is now one of my partners in Fearless Faith. Brian's a musician, my buddy's a musician, And it was late on a Friday night. I remember exactly because a week later on that Friday, my wife passed away. So Brian is the kind of friend that he lives out in California. And he told me, he said, look, when you need me, you tell me and I'm on the next plane. And he literally did that. I called him on a Thursday and he was there Friday night. So I had John drop him off. So we're talking out in the driveway. It's late at night. And I noticed my buddy John that I play in the band with is hardly saying anything. And he's just kind of looking at me kind of weird. And he leaves and I'm walking in the house with my friend Brian. And I said, hey, I got to ask you, was John talkative on the way from the airport? And he said, oh, yeah, we, we talked, we laughed. He's a great guy. And I said, did you notice that he was really quiet? just now? And he said, yeah, maybe he's tired. And I said, yeah, I guess so. And the next day I wake up and my sister said, you need to talk to your neighbor, Dana, because she's real close with John. They work Mm -hmm. together 
They're both physical therapists. So I talked to Dana. She said, John has to talk to you. He saw something last night. So I call up John and he said, yeah, I really need to talk to you. Can I come by after work? I said, sure. So he comes by. I run out and jump in his car in the driveway. And I said, what's up? He said, well, he goes, I don't want you to think I'm crazy. And I know you know that I've done drugs in my time. <laughs> he was kind of a hippie. And, uh-huh. and he said, but I want you to know, I know what I saw. And I said, what did you see? So John proceeds to tell me that while I was talking in the driveway, he saw this being appear right over me. And I said, a being? He said, yeah, he's about, I don't know, maybe eight to 10 feet tall, right over you. And he just was so bright, like a light danced off his face. He did this with his fingers. He, Mm -hmm. He said it was like shimmering and bright. And I had to look away. I couldn't even look at you. And um, he said, I looked back and he was gone. But as you appeared, as, as you kept talking, he appeared again. And he said the same thing. He said, it looked like he had a cloak on. I couldn't see a face, but a white robe and the light. He said, I've never seen anything so bright. And he said, I really thought I was going to damage my eyes. It was like staring wow. at the sun. Hmm. So I looked away again and I said, well, John, I'll ask you, what do you think it was? And he said, I'm not a spiritual person, but I believe it was an angel. And I said, I do too, John. I know they're all around here because we'd been having really prayer meetings. We'd been singing hymns. And uh, I just felt God's presence so much in this house during the final 10 days of Beth's life. And um, so my sister uh, later that day, she goes, well, how come John saw the angel and we didn't? And I said, Mary Jane, we didn't need to see the angel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we walked by faith. John needed to see the angel. So wow. it was pretty amazing. And John to this day talks about it. So that's amazing. I haven't thought about that verse in reference to seeing the angelic or seeing the spiritual. We walk by faith, not by sight. He needed to have that sight because he doesn't have right. that faith. Right. Wow. But wow. you know, when he told me that story, John, I just knew it was an angel. I had yeah. no doubt. And I was really, I just felt like God's presence was all around here. You know, it's interesting. I just did a morning cup of inspiration that aired today mm-hmm. on Fearless Faith on our uh, Facebook page. And I talked about the story of Elisha and how his helper was concerned because this king of Syria Uh, found out that Elisha knew his every move. So he sent all these horsemen, all these soldiers, and they were surrounding Elisha and they were going to attack him. And it says uh, that the servant of the man of God, which was Elisha, looked up and was fearful. And Elisha said, oh God, open his eyes. He said, let him see that those that are with us are much more than those that are around us. And God opened the servant's eyes and he saw, it said, chariots of fire with angelic warriors. And then Elisha prayed that God would blind the soldiers that were wanting to take him. And he did. And then Elisha took him to Samaria, gave them food and let him go. But isn't that an amazing story? He could see with spiritual eyes. And I feel like in these times, that's a message for Christians who are scared. Let's face it. What's going on in our country is scary right now. Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. The violence and the writing, there seems to be so much hatred, but Open your eyes and see that they that are with us are more than they that are against us. If God is for us, who can be against us? We've got those chariots of fire with angelic warriors surrounding us.
Amen. Amen. That that is really encouraging. I, I appreciate that. I love that story. And it's a great reminder to know that God is really working all around us. And even though we don't see it, there are more that are with us than those that are against us. Yes. And we can trust in him. And we even though we don't see things the way that we want them to be, we know by faith that God is still in control. That is so good, Dan. That is so Thanks, good. John. Well, that's why we have to stay so close to the Lord so that we can see that. And I like what you said that, you know, God's going to either, either he's coming back soon or he's really calling his bride in the church to get ready to be witnessing and spreading the word like never before. So I appreciate the chance to do that today with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a couple things from our past conversations that we've had that I just want to thank you for bringing up some of these principles because I've applied them to my life. And one of those was taking your stress and putting it in a mailbox. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds a little bit strange for people listening, but can you tell me about how God gave you that strategy to deal with the most stressful, difficult time of your life? Well, you know me well enough to know I'm a pretty emotional guy. <laughs> when yeah. I was on your show, you know, it was still pretty raw and, and sharing Beth's story still gets to me. I, I get emotional, but you know, I was kind of an emotional wreck when I was going through all this, but I still had to do my job, which was in front of America. I had to go on live TV on QVC, you know, a couple of million viewers a night. And you had to have, this, you had to have composure. Yeah. And, you know, I was always battling that. Like I'd be in the middle of a presentation and maybe we were talking about Christmas and the thought would flash through my mind, Beth won't be here at Christmas. And I couldn't let myself go there. But, you know, it was hard to prep my show and keep my mind focused. My mind was in a million places. And I don't know, I just developed this thing. I said, I need a strategy to deal with this. So I would go to my mailbox. I would literally do this, open the mailbox And I would say, okay, problems, I got to put you in here and I'll pick you up after the show. And I would lock my mailbox and it helped me compartmentalize. And all of us have to deal with stress and still do our jobs. And it's just, it helped me so much to say, you know, I'll deal with that later. And, you know, it's scriptural because Jesus told us in Matthew 6, where he's talking about, you know, why worry about tomorrow? There's enough to worry about. Today's got enough to worry about. Focus. Stay with today. Don't let your mind go out too much because when you do, you worry. (laughs) And I read a quote. Some famous, I think, French philosopher once said, you know, I have lived a horrible life because I was plagued by so many terrible tragedies, most of which never happened. (laughs) so he spent his life just worrying about things that never happened and he had a horrible life so you know uh, god said you know look at the birds of the air they don't worry about what they're going to eat god will take care of you so that helps me to focus to know that problems would still be there but god would still be there but i had to go do my job yeah and sometimes it's so easy to just let those problems overtake us and we just deal with that stress and we can't compartmentalize it we we're afraid to set it aside because if I'm not worried about it, I'm not thinking about it, then I'm not being responsible with it. But that's not the case because God tells us to cast our cares, to cast our burdens on him for he cares for us. And with you physically going to your mailbox, I love this, physically going to your mailbox 
and putting, even though you can't, it's not a physical thing that you were putting in there, just saying, okay, for this little bit of time, for this next shift that I have at work, for this next program or whatever it is, these are going to rest here and I'm going to focus on what God has called me to do today. It's so easy for us to just get overwhelmed and forget and neglect and put to the side what God has called us to do rather than saying, God, I trust you with the things that I can't control and let me do what you've called me to do today. And believe me, John, during that time, I needed God all the way. I I remember thinking, how am I going to do this show? How am I going to go out there and be Mr. Happy? Because you have to be upbeat right. and happy, and I'm not good at faking that. I wear my emotions on the sleeve, my sleeve sometimes. And I remember one night standing in the studio, and Beth was really getting bad, and, and it was just, you know, the real reality that she probably wasn't going to make it was sinking in. Even though I believed right up until her last breath, I knew God could heal her. I asked him to. But the reality of how hard things were getting, and I just feel like I was mentally and physically exhausted. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember standing in the studio literally 30 seconds before the other host was throwing to me in prime time, big sales goals, big guests, and my arm all of a sudden went completely numb. The whole right side of my body, the studio started spinning on me. I mean, I remember looking up and seeing the lights like, it was like I was on a merry-go-round, and I just cried out. I just said, Jesus' name. I said, Jesus, Jesus, you got to help me. And somehow, like five seconds before the other host threw to me, things settled down, and I did a three-hour show. That was not me. I did not have the strength or the wherewithal to do that. Yeah. So I really saw God's supernatural strength. He carried, you know, the, the, the poem, Footprints in the Sand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true during our lowest times when we can't carry ourselves. God carried me, put me on his back. Yeah. And that was one of those times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another another story that I loved whenever you told was having coffee with Beth and making time to have that with her. Being purposeful is something that I really care about. And mm-hmm. I love how God showed you in that moment so you didn't waste that opportunity to realign your priorities but to i'll let you tell the story (laughs) well i'm looking across the hall from my office here and i can see the room it's my favorite room in the house and it was beth's favorite room it's a little sitting room when you come in our house and you go to the right there's this little sitting room there's no tv no radio no you know bose stereo and i she would love to sit on the couch in there in the morning and have her coffee and beth knew how to enjoy a cup of coffee she knew how to enjoy the simple things in life And I'd go through there in the morning and she'd always tap the seat next to her on the couch and say, come have coffee. Our nickname for each other was Cakey's. I don't know if you remember that, but she'd say, Cakey's, come, let's let's have coffee. And regrettably, so many times, John, I would say, Beth, I'm too busy. I don't have time to have a cup of coffee. I've got, you know, all these people waiting for me. I've got uh, guests on tonight. I've got a big show. And, um, she'd always kind of have a little disappointed look on her face, but I'll tell you what, after we got the diagnosis that she had stage four cancer in October of 2012, I never missed a chance to have Mm -hmm. coffee with my wife. That became the most important thing on my agenda. You know, we get so busy trying to make a life. We forget to live life. I mean, I would give 
anything to have a cup of coffee with her right now. My daughter and I often say we wish there were visiting hours in heaven. You hear all your life, the simplest things in life are the best. And don't overlook the little things because there'll come a day when you realize, you know, the little things are the big things. So, well, here I go again. Told you I was emotional, but uh, yeah, that became, you know, just sitting with, with a loved one. Help me, Lord. Here we go. Uh, You know, sitting down with someone you really care about, having a great conversation over a cup of coffee, that could be the most important thing you do in your day. You know, uh, John, I try to pray every morning. I try to ask the Lord to put somebody in my path that I can just help in some way, that I can just, you know, point to the Savior. And, um, you know, it could be over a cup of coffee. And sometimes I think, Maybe you've dealt with this when you work for a Christian ministry and you guys have a big outreach and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Fearless Faith is starting to have a pretty good size outreach. You forget that, no, it's reaching one person at a time. And Absolutely. so don't miss the chance to have a cup of coffee, especially with someone you love. And, and maybe it's just spending some time with your kids. You know, that song by Harry Chapin, Cats in the Cradle, about mm-hmm. his son always wanting to play ball or play catch, but he was always too busy. Boy, don't have those regrets at the end of your life. Today is the day. This moment is all you have. And make sure you are in the moment with your kids and with your, your loved one. And turn the cell phone off. These things are, they drive you crazy. They've been dinging on my... <laughs> I've, heard a, I've heard a few of those. computer, yeah. yeah. But you can't be a slave to that. You know, I think, you know, people are so busy. Have you ever walked in a restaurant, John, and there's a couple sitting across from the, and they're both on their phone or they're doing this and they're not where they're supposed to be. Right. Be present. And that's one of the themes of Hurricane of Love. My wife was present. She knew how to enjoy every minute of her life. And she really taught me that valuable, valuable story. So I never missed a cup of coffee with her. Yeah, I love that. I don't want to miss a cup of coffee with a good friend or a loved one. And I try to look for those opportunities. I mean, that that story that you've shared, I heard it a couple of years ago whenever we first met. That has stuck with me because I don't want oh, to wow. miss those opportunities. You never know yeah. when this could be the last opportunity to do that. It's also difficult to figure out like, okay, how do I, how do I make this a priority and how do I still do the other things that I'm supposed to do? But you said it, you said it, Dan, it's by being present. It's by being where you are when you're there. And that's the first step. Yeah. Obviously we all have responsibilities. We have to do our job, but maybe, maybe you make a date and you say, boy, when I come home, we're doing this. Yeah, so yeah. that's good. And you mentioned just the, the name of the book is hurricane of love. Now, when I think of a hurricane, I think of something that's big, loud, and destructive, and it normally Florida has to deal with the brunt of hurricanes, right. frustration, and, and anger. But tell me about this hurricane of love, because that puts a real spin on it. Where did that name yeah. come from, and what does it really mean? The day my wife passed away, my niece, Tara, wrote in her blog, and she's a very good writer, she was talking about Beth and that she had passed away. And she wrote, my Aunt Beth's love was like a hurricane. It hit everyone in its path. So this is a good hurricane. This is not yeah. a destructive one. This is one that builds up. And, you know, Beth, through all the 
the hundreds of procedures and the doctor's visits and all the time we spent around medical personnel, she influenced everybody. I mean, I can't tell you the doctors and the nurses. We were at one of the biggest hospitals in Philadelphia and her doctor one night, we walked out of the hospital together and she's a pretty prominent doctor there. And she said, Dan, I can't tell you how much your wife and your family, how much of an impact you've had on this hospital. And she said, I'm not just talking about the floor that Beth is on. She said, people are talking about Beth Wheeler throughout the hospital and how you guys have something special and the way you're dealing with this and the way you're dealing with this uh, horrible disease, but the faith you've had. And it, that was God allowing us to be a witness. You know, when, when Beth would be sleeping, I would walk her hall and there was a little old lady that nobody ever seemed to visit. She was all alone and I'd go in and talk to her and I asked her if I could pray for her. And, you know, God gives us, we just have to look, you know, we think we got to go to a mission field. Uh, there's a chance to minister every day. And mm -hmm. my, so my wife, um, the impact she had, I mean, people, when she left the hospital, oh, she was in a local hospital here for eight days before they transferred her down to the big hospital in Philadelphia and they lined the halls the night she left uh, to, to hug her, to kiss her, doctors, nurses, same at the hospital in Philadelphia. And they were really crying down there when she left. And uh, she was just so sweet. She just exuded love to everybody. And she treated everybody the same. You know, if you were a janitor or a housekeeper or the CEO, it didn't matter. Beth Wheeler was going to hit you with a hurricane of love. Yeah, And people never forgot her. Um, so many stories in the book about her wanting to help people. There was a nurse, a chemo nurse. It was one of the few chemo sessions I couldn't be at. I had to work. I called her to see how the chemo went. She said, oh, I had this new nurse today. She's great. And she told me how she does things with her church. And she works with uh, homeless people. And she had seen Beth's Ugg boots okay. and said, oh, those books look great. And Beth said, oh, they're so warm and comfy. You should get a pair. They keep your feet nice and warm. And the lady said, well, my husband's lost his job. I really couldn't afford it right now. And I knew what was coming. Beth was like, <laughs> can we get her a pair of Ugg boots? And I said, sure, Beth, but how do we know her size? She goes, oh, I have it, 7C. <laughs> <laughs> we gave that lady a pair of Ugg boots on our next visit. Beth got so much joy. Beth taught me how much more joy you get out of giving than receiving. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, and then after she passed away, the week after the funeral, I got a card from the big hospital down in Philadelphia, and all the nurses had signed it and mm -hmm. said how they missed Beth and how sorry they were and what a joy it was to treat her. One nurse, Stephanie, I'll never forget her, she, she really formed a bond with my wife and with my daughter, and we found out that the nurses would come in early so that they could get Beth Wheeler as their patient. They would fight over her. Uh, but the Stephanie wrote in there, she said, Beth Wheeler helped me rediscover why I went into nursing in the first mm, place. That's beautiful. That was, that was Beth. You know, Hurricane is, uh, it was powerful. Her, her love was powerful. And they say love is the most powerful force on earth. Look what Jesus did when he died on the cross. He changed history. He changed our future. He changed my life, and I'm so grateful for him, and I'm so grateful he gave me Beth Wheeler as my hurricane of love. I, I learned so much from her. Amen. Amen. What is it that you think 
that Beth would say that she learned from you about Jesus? Boy, <laughs> no one's ever asked me that question. That's a good question, John. I, you know, it's funny because when I met Beth, she wasn't a Christian and I worked at a Christian TV station. So I was honored to lead her to the Lord. But I often feel like she took her faith to such a deeper level than what I had. I feel she was a better Christian than me. She let her light shine more. And now I'm just trying to be like her. But I guess she would say that I exuded a joy and a happiness that she hadn't seen. She used to tell me she knew I had something different. So maybe she would say that. <laughs> maybe she would say he tried. <laughs> he tried hard. I really don't know. But, um, you know, I, I think it's something to think about because I think we all need to think about what do we want on our tombstone? What would people say about us? And on Beth's, I wrote, she loved all and was loved by all. That just hit me right away. And my daughters both agreed. They said, boy, that, that says it all. <laughs> she yeah. really did love everybody. But I think she would say maybe I was this outgoing, happy guy that uh, tapped her on the shoulder and uh, was able to lead her to Christ. So that was a privilege for me. But boy, I I think I learned so much more from her than she learned from me. You know, she used to say she was grateful. I used to ask her all the time, like, you know, if you could do anything, what would you want to do with your life or what would you want to be? And her answer never changed. She always said, I'm doing it. Mm. I always wanted to be a wife and a mother. And she said, thanks to you, because you worked so hard, I'm able to do that. And I say only thanks to the Lord. I mean, in the early days of our marriage, she had to work and she had to babysit kids and other things, and we could barely make ends meet. But uh, it was such a privilege that she could stay home with our kids. I know my kids are much better for it. Yeah. I honestly don't know. That's my first attempt at that question. Good question. <laughs> <laughs> That's my first attempt at asking that one. It just came to me. So, <laughs> But a question that I normally like to ask is, what has happened in your life that has showed you that Jesus was walking with you, but you didn't realize it until you look back? And I know we've talked a lot about your life with Beth and all those different things along the way. You've mentioned a number of those moments, but can you think of a time where you just were oblivious to what was going on, but God has since pointed back to that and said, see, I really was there. I was that second set of footprints in the sand. Oh, I could point to several, but uh, one that I've never shared publicly, I'm going to share with you, and I don't know why, but maybe it's time to be totally transparent. But just before Beth got sick, I ended up in a hospital with depression. And I called my boss one day and I said, I can't go on the air. I was I was fearful. I, I became paranoid. And it was because of sin in my life. And I couldn't find God during that time. I was two weeks in a hospital. I was home. I didn't want to get out of bed. I, was, I couldn't find God. I often tell people, I know what hell is like. It's not being able to feel God's presence. It's being away from God. And um, I couldn't even talk. I couldn't go on the air. I couldn't do anything. And one day in that hospital, he broke through. And I saw everything clearly again. I saw the sunshine again. But during that time, it was like swimming through murky waters. I really understand depression, John, and I have a real heart for people that go through it. I know what it's like. You can't see the sunshine. You can look out and it can be the most beautiful day and you're depressed because you want the weather to feel like you feel dark mm -hmm. and depressed. And so God broke through, and, and this hospital, they had me on all kinds of drugs and antidepressants, and I couldn't even think straight. And I went to them, and I said, 
I want to be taken off all drugs immediately. And I'm checking myself out of here this weekend. My wife's coming to get me. And they said, you can't do that. And I said, no, I can. It's called patient rights. And I know what my rights are. And from that day on, I was healed. It was a slow process and going back to work and getting my feet on the ground. And it was crazy, John, because that was in May of 2012 and in October, uh, we found out Beth had stage four cancer and God had to somehow take me through the darkest time of my life so that I could be strong and care for Beth. And, and I got to tell you, during the three years Beth was sick, I never once had a cough, a sniffle. I didn't sleep. I ate terribly. I was eating on the run. You talk about not being able to take care of yourself, but God kept me strong so I could take care of Beth. But when I think about it, it's almost like he had to take me through the fire and he had to take away everything that was impure mm. and be stuck with the wow. pure gold. And then I was ready to care for her. So wow. I've never shared that story, but maybe it's time I start doing it. I think you're right, Dan, because there's so many times we feel like we could help somebody else, but we're not in a place where we can actually do that. Like we, we have the desire to help somebody else, but we don't have that. God hasn't dealt with us yet. And mm -hmm. it's really interesting that God dealt with you with that depression and he brought you through that so that you could be strong for Beth. Now, were you depressed during that time that you were helping Beth? No. No. That's amazing. Yeah. I, the joy of the Lord was with me uh, through even the, I mean, I can't say I was always smiling and always right, happy, right. but I was joyful. <laughs> yeah. It's really, when I look back and I see how God put it all together and he was at work in every situation, I mean, he had to take me through the darkest time of my life, which I say that was the worst time of my life, not caring for Beth. In fact, those last three years of my life with Beth were the best of our marriage. You know why? Because I knew where my priorities were. She knew where hers were. We didn't waste time talking about things that didn't matter. We would sit outside and watch the sun go down and just hold hands and just be together, mm. talk about life, talk about heaven. I would give anything even to go back to those days when we were living in chemo suites and we were going from procedure to procedure because just to have her just to be with her. And I can share my experiences. So hopefully people don't have to go through those experiences. Right. And you can look at your wife or your husband today and say, man, I love you with everything I've got. And you are a priority. You know, God's got to be first. He's got to be the cornerstone of that relationship. But then your significant other, your spouse, your wife, and then your children. And then yeah. of course, everybody else. But when you have those priorities, right? Life is great, no matter how hard it seems on the outside. So, Yeah, that's a beautiful yeah. along-the-way moment, Dan. That, that really is. And I'm grateful that God brought you through that so that you could be the strength for your wife during that time. And really, those years might not have been the best years if you hadn't dealt with that first, if you hadn't right. dealt with that, that depression first. God purified you through that right. so that those three years could be the best of your, of your marriage. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about what if I hadn't made it through that. Yeah. But um, God gave me the honor of caring for my wife. It was a privilege. And, you know, even on the toughest days, it was such an honor. I remember probably the greatest thing my wife ever said to me was, or I was able to say to her too, is one day down in Philadelphia, I just helped her into the bathroom and I cleaned her up and I was helping her back to bed. And she stops and she looks at me. 
And she said, what would I ever do without you? And I said, Beth, you will never need to know. You'll mm. never know because I'm not going anywhere. And, uh, you know, to be able to say that and be committed totally to her as a husband, I'm like, wow, <laughs> Dan Wheeler finally grew up. <laughs> wow. Dan, another question that I love asking is if you could talk to your younger self, if you could go back in time and mm -hmm. speak to a younger version of yourself and give yourself some advice, could you paint the picture of what that scene looks like? And yeah, tell me about that Dan and what he needs to hear. Yeah. Well, I would say, young man, you think maybe you got a lot going for you and you think maybe you got your life all together. But the best piece of advice I can give you is to never, never stray from the Lord. Never be out of his presence and his protection. Because as long as you dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, in fact, I'm going to read it. It's uh, Psalm chapter 90. Verse 1, it says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I would say, don't ever get out of that shadow. Mm. Don't ever get away from the Lord's presence. And live right. Live righteously. You know, when I look at Billy Graham's life, and I think that the celebration that must have gone on in heaven when he walked in was just amazing. And to hear God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, I would say that's what you got to strive for. And then I'll share one other verse with you, John, that's been a life verse for me. And it really hit home when I was going through my terrible time. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear thou not, for I am with thee. You want God with you all the time. Emmanuel, God with us. That's what Jesus' name means. For I am the Lord thy God, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with my right hand of my righteousness. I'll say that's where you want to be, with his right hand around you, dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty. Don't get out of that. The world's got so many temptations. Don't fall for it. Satan is so tricky. He wants to take us away from the Lord, and uh, he wants us to live our own lives. You know, in the, in the Garden of Eden, Satan's original lie, it never changed. He said, hey, did God really say you're going to die? He said, no, he knows in the day that you eat of that tree of knowledge, you'll be as God. But it was God with a little g. Mm. That is the whole problem man faces. Uh, sin is when we try to replace God with ourselves and we put ourselves on the throne. True salvation is God substituting himself for us. We should have died on the cross, but he took our place. So it's a reversal. So just keep the Lord, you know, first and foremost, always. That's good. Now, Dan, I don't want to miss this opportunity right now. I want to ask you to speak to somebody that's listening that maybe they don't know the Lord or they don't know him like the hurricane of love that he is. Would you just minister and share what God has put on your heart to speak to that one person? Sure, I would love to. You know, God loves you so much that he died for you on a cross. And maybe you're frustrated and you're feeling like your life hasn't gone the way you've wanted it. Maybe financially you've got struggles right now or you're facing a situation that you think there's no way out. There is a way out. And, you know, Jesus wasn't just another great teacher. 
He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't someone like when you study other religions, Buddha or Confucius or, um, you know, the Dalai Lama. They all were great men, but they said, I'm going to help to show you the way. Jesus didn't say that. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one cometh unto God the Father but through me. You see, all the other religions of the world are going this way. There's one that cuts across. And so Jesus said, I'm the way. He said, I am God. Now, that's a bold statement. Either he was the craziest person who ever lived or he was who he said he was. I can tell you he is who he said he was. He is who he says he is. I am. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So I encourage you today to turn your life over to Jesus. It's a simple thing. You just ask him to forgive you of your sins. See, we've all sinned. We've missed the mark. And none of us can live a righteous, holy life. God knows that. He created you. He knows that you have weaknesses, but he can turn your weaknesses into strengths, and he can make something beautiful out of your life. You have a purpose. God created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb, and he has always had a plan for you. So I encourage you to find that plan, to to turn from your sin. Turn. Repentance means turn away from it and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'd encourage you to pray this prayer with me right now. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, and I've tried to live life my way, and it's not working out. And I need a purpose. I need to find my purpose. And so I pray that you will give that to me. But Jesus, right now, I turn my back. I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me for where I failed you. And from this day forward, I want to walk with you. I want to hear you say the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, when I reach the end of my road. So Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I give you my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer with me, you are going to be on the most exciting adventure. Your life will take on new meaning. It's not always going to be easy. I ask you to try and get a Bible. Maybe you want to get one of the current, more modern versions. There's a version called The Message, which is pretty easy to understand. Um, Or there's modern translations. And just start reading in John. I always encourage people to read John because John chapter 3, verse 16 is what it's all about. For God so loved the world. And I always say, put your name in it. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Amen. Welcome to the family of the Lord. Amen. If what Dan was just saying resonates with your heart and you prayed with him, and you want to experience that hurricane of love that Jesus offers us, I want to encourage you to reach out to me. Reach out to johnalongtheway at gmail.com. There's different ways you can reach out to me through Facebook and Instagram and stuff as well. But Dan, I want people to be able to reach out to you as well. Can you tell us how people can connect with you and Fearless Faith? Sure. Uh, Well, Fearless Faith, if you go on Facebook, it's just you put in Fearless Faith. We have this uh, three-flame logo. If you're not on Facebook, we have a website, fearlessfaith.org, and it will take you to our website where you'll see all of our morning cups of inspiration. They cycle through each day. They play the one that's playing on Facebook. Uh, So you can go there, and you can message me there, email me. 
Um, or you can also go to Instagram. Uh, we have Fearless Faith Ministries there, and it's just constant inspiration. Uh, my partner, Terry, his wife, Karen, does an amazing job running that page. But yeah, reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you. And if you pick up Hurricane of Love, it's available on Amazon or at uh, hurricaneoflove.com or Barnes & Noble, wherever. But in the back, there's all kinds of ways that you can contact me. So I'd love to Wonderful. hear from you too. Wonderful. I will be putting links in the show notes so you can just click those and I'll take you right there. Before we wrap up here, there's one more thing that kind of stuck out to me in the beginning of our conversation. You said that there was these two guys that you eventually started Fearless Faith with that after your wife's funeral, they stayed with you for a few days. And I was just so impressed by that, that you have some, you have some guys in your life that were willing to walk with you through some really hard times. Can you just talk about the importance of not walking alone and finding those people in your life? Boy, I'm so glad you asked me that, John, because that's something that's really been on my heart lately is surrounding yourself with good people. And, you know, as guys, we tend to be islands. You know, we get our families going and as their kids are young. And I mean, when I think back during that time, I kind of lost touch with so many of my friends. But um, the two guys that stayed with me are right here. It's... uh, Terry Steen and Brian Rowland. Terry and I were roommates in college. We played baseball together. Brian, I I met my first week on campus. Um, Our parents actually knew each other years ago. They have been lifelong friends. Let's see. 1973 was how long ago? 47 (laughs) years I've known these guys. Wow. And uh, I'll tell you what, they're true friends. But we hold each other accountable. You know, we talk about what we're going through. Um, I tell them what I'm struggling with. It's so important not to try and do it alone. And I'm also involved in a discipleship group on Saturdays. It's just five guys. We kept it small on on purpose, but we've really gotten involved with each other's lives and we really pray for each other. You need that. We all need it. We don't want to be islands. Mm -hmm. We need to do this together. And it's so great to have people of like faith to encourage you along the way. Absolutely. Well, Dan, on that note, I want to thank you for allowing me to join you along your way. Thank you, John. Really, thank you. It's, it's been an honor. Always great to talk to you. And I have to tell you, I knew you as a producer, but you are really a good, very good interviewer. And you came up with some questions that, uh, wow, they were I hadn't thought about. So good job. It's great to be with you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I hope that you enjoyed my conversation with Dan Wheeler. I know that I did, and I was humbled by his compliment at the end there. I really appreciate how Dan has dedicated his life and the memory of his wife to inspiring others to have fearless faith. If you want to know more about Dan, how to get his book, and how to have fearless faith, then I'll be providing all those links in the show notes. Thank you for listening to Along the Way. If you've enjoyed joining me along my way, please share this episode with a friend who you think will be encouraged by this podcast. Also, please rate and review Along the Way on iTunes. That helps more people discover Along the Way. And you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at my website, alongtheway.media. I hope that you've enjoyed this part of my journey. And may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way. Mm-hmm.